This is the 78th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report, a podcast about paper legacy. My name is Victor Bernhardt. With me, as always, are my dear co-hosts Robin Svensson and Christopher Wikström. Warm welcome to you, dear listener. Hello, everybody. Good morning, good day, or good evening, fellow friends and magic players. Stockholm Legacy Report can be found whenever we release on the TopTech app. In this episode, we report from one of us being a hero in local paper play, and after that we take a little look-see at what Phyrexia all will be one might give us going forward. First things first though, Robin, you were the only one of us who got some reps in last week at the local game store. How was it? It was good. Like the week before... I failed with Delver in my hands, so uh, this time I went back to <laughs> the winning list with the 8 cast featuring all our favorite Arayo. I had a good evening, I started out against Delver, and in game 1, Emery goes unbolted, and he needs to force a will, monitors cast from the grave twice. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. And he keeps beating me, me, me with flyers, so that's like a tempo play for him, but then I get to hit for Kappa for little but he was actually almost racing me in that game and then in game two he sort of bricks on lands a little bit and I get a very fast board presence and I board out a Ryo against Delver which I know have a lot of red elemental blasts and bring in the rebukes which is a little bit easier so to say then in game two I was up against Cephalid Breakfast like Cephalid has had a huge upswing online and it has found its way to our local game store. I know you faced off against it a couple of weeks ago as well, Christopher. Yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, it's uh, such a good deck. I think it's uh, severely underplayed. Yeah, but maybe not anymore because now people are playing Yeah, maybe it, now least. it's appropriately played. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But in game two, uh, sorry, game one, I managed to resolve a chalice with a petal to... To play through a daze. And then he plays Stoneforge. And I have a little bit of a slow hand. So I have to force it. And he double dazes me. So that means that the Stoneforge resolves. And he can grab his Kaldra. But on the other hand he has no lands in play. So it gives me a lot of time. And from that point I can tempo him out. With just playing threats. And then in game 2 I have double Torpor Orb. Which uh, checks his combo. And I also have a, a fast clock. And checks his combo, checks Stoneforge. Checks a lot of things. Very nice to have. Uh, I, I, I switched out my, my sideboard a little bit when I did the 4-0 three weeks ago. It was just like I brought a deck <laughs> from my shelf and it was like the cards that I had played last time a couple of months ago. So now I, I sort of tuned the, the sideboard a little bit better for today's meta. I think I sideboarded wrongly though. I boarded in two Torpor Orbs and one of the Borrowers. And I boarded outside because I thought I don't really need blockers for this matchup. Maybe I should have also boarded in Needle. You can Needle uh, one of the win cons. And maybe I should have boarded in the Graft Diggers cage as well. Graft Diggers seems quite nice. Especially to get off Saga. But yeah, I think Sai right. is right to take out. Because if he's swinging, they're swinging with uh, Kaldra. <laughs> right. And it tramples anyway, so... Yeah, and just exiles, and it's indestructible. It's everything. Yeah, and and then, there, therefore, i rather have the borrowers to just bounce the token. Yeah, yeah that sounds reasonable. Right, and then uh, in the third game, I was up against uh, Adnosium Tendrils. Very interestingly, in game one, I have a chalice, and I have force wheel, and I have a clock, and I managed to win. But in game two, I have... 
triple he plays through triple force of will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is like he, he goes infernal tutor. I'm like, okay. He reveals a veil and picks up another veil. Okay, okay. <laughs> this is gonna be a uphill battle. And he plays a veil, I have to force it. Plays another veil, I have to force it as well. And well, he win from there on. And then in game three, I play quite badly. Uh, we have this like very interesting board state where he plays a cabal therapy on me. Or maybe it was a thoughtis, I don't really remember. And I think to myself that I need to, to get a reaction out of him with his talisman. So I channel Ottawara to bounce it. But then I realize he can activate it in response <laughs> and then just replay it. Oh, so he gets one extra card from it. Like this turns out to be probably deciding because he has one extra card and I don't get the wish claw. Had I had the wish claw it would have been one more artifact that maybe could have given me lethal on my swing back with the constructs. And also I think that I make a mistake because my first chalice is on one and then the second chalice I put on two. But then if he just abrupt decay is my first chalice he can just veil and ignore the other one. So I think all the chalices need to be on one against this matchup even though the tutors are on two so it sort of makes sense to play it on two but like veil just nullifies all the other chalices chalice on zero chalice on two anything is just it doesn't matter if you can play veil so i i lose this game one two and he he outplayed me i should say he played better than you know what they say Winning in Legacy is all about not making as many mistakes as your opponent. Yeah. And I made many. And it's super yeah. tricky. Like, uh, some of... If you compare, like, the Ottawara thing, bouncing the uh, the Wishclaw, if we compare that to Boseju, I guess that the channel would have fizzled. Because uh, Boseju is mm. an opponent, and Ottawara is just a target to its owner's hand. Right, because I was thinking about that as well, yeah. Yeah, so that's a shame. Like, then you can at least force the activation, even if you didn't think mm. about it. But that he gets, like, your opponent get its, like gets the wish claw and the tutor, that's just, that's brutal. And also one interesting thing that came up, because I had I had a Graftigger's Cage on the board, so his, adno- uh, no, sorry, his Adnosian Path was sort of closed because I have dealt too much damage to him. And Past, of, past in Flame, was dealt but was also closed because I had the Graftigger's Cage in play. But then he could play <laughs> Paradise Lost. That card is real. Uh, that card is real. And if I had boarded in and grabbed uh, Tormod's Crypt instead of Graftigger's, I could have dealt with both Past in Flame and uh, Paradise Lost, as it turned out. I mean, Graftigger's Cage is a harder lock against Past in Flame, but Paradise Lost played around Graftigger's Cage, so that was quite interesting. Yeah. And it's an instant as well. It's just super nasty. Like, I'm reading the card it's, now. Like, in my head, it was a sorcery. But now when I see it, like, yeah, it's an instant. For the listeners who don't know, Parodice Par- Lost is a, a, it's an instant for free green green, which is one of these uh, infinity cards where you roll two six-sided dice and then return any number of cards. So it's not permanence with total value, a mana value of X or less from your graveyard to your hand. So pretty much you get all of your lotus petals, LEDs, and then you get a bunch of rituals and your tutor. Like it's very hard to make a bad, like even Snake Eyes gets all of the mana rocks in a tutor. It's uh, very... Yeah, it's it's cool. Those cards that use dice, I mean, it can be a little bit frustrating if it's 
like if affects the game too much but it can also be super exciting when <laughs> everything is like decided by a roll of the die because at this very instant I think he had the tendrils in his graveyard and I think he needed a cabal ritual from the graveyard as well to be able to cast it mm. so he needed to roll six and he rolled exactly six like that is a very interesting moment like when when that d- die roll is so in- important and to see how it ends yeah but yeah that's uh, it, uh... Was, it was great magic yeah, that's cool. Final game was up against Initiative, and that was good to finally face up against that with 8 costs. I was uh, quite lucky, I should say. He didn't see what I was playing before. He hadn't scouted me. And he started Ancient Tomb, Petal, Chalice. Oh, And then on beautiful. his next turn, he played uh, the Orc. What is it called? Oh, the White Plume <laughs> Adventurer. Exactly. So he could play it on turn 1, but he was probably playing it a little bit slow with the Chalice instead. So he could have played... Chalice on zero and a white plume, and that would have just—I would just have lost the game from there on. Yeah, but here, here's where you playing Delver the week before came in. <laughs> that it was worth losing one three <laughs> to just have Delver in my opponent. That's how head. we get him. From there on, I could play Emery, and he plays his white plume adventure. Shortly after, I could play Kappa and just take the initiative back Oof. and uh, raise him. And in game two, he plays Mox, imprint something, Mox, imprint something, planes, and White Plume Adventure. And I have the Force of Will. And he has wasted too many resources from there on and can't really do anything. So it was 2-0 against Initiative with a little bit of luck. 8-cast doing its thing again. Very cool. Yeah. We didn't hear any uh, cool uh, flip stories this time. With uh... No, Erayo didn't show up as much during these games very sad about this yeah i'm 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 sad about this but i'm also very happy about uh, the results and i'm sleeving up a, a very spicy brew for next thursday because now the league is finished so it's only fun yeah. time oh right yeah it's finished so it's finished and there is a big legacy coming up Second half of February. Exactly. And then there should be finals. So it's we have a, quite a lot of larger legacy events ahead of us. That's going to be super cool. We'll probably have a, a pre-league uh, playoffs episode. Of course. But it's super great. The two people who place best get a buy in the first round. So I'm going to have plenty of time to scout the room. Oh, oh you get a buy for, for placing first in the league, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's nice. And second. So I'm just going to... I'm just gonna scout, and then I'm who gonna. Who's second in the league? Do you know? I think one of the people who have played uh, white, uh, white Stompy recently, and also played some Jukalhaups earlier. So yeah, that's gonna be cool. So, another Magic the Gathering set is out, and this time we return to the Phyrexians, finally. Apparently, Elish Norn wants to dominate the multiverse, and some heroic, self-sacrificing planeswalkers will take it to them on their plane. This is a part 3 of 4 in the current Phyrexian saga, I believe, and I expect the good forces of Jace or whoever is leading the Avengers these days will prevail in part 4 whenever that's out. Uh, I have no idea. And I'm sorry to say this is 
quite boring lore. Like the bigger it gets, the bigger the stakes could be, the more certain you can be that franchises like Magic, the good guys are just gonna sort of get there in the end, which I'm sad about because the Phyrexians are amazing. I got I got some happy news for you, Victor. Oh yeah? Yeah, Jace got completed. What does that mean? It means that he's uh, part Phyrexian or whatever. Oh, nice. But he's going to find a way to sort of conquer that and blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> I hope to be proven wrong here. That sort of in the end, uh, Elish Norn will not be thwarted. But uh, I'm not keeping my hopes up. But whatever. About 2% of our listeners care. This set has cards in it. And we're going to talk about those cards. Uh, will some of them be played in Legacy? I'm going to go first on this one because I have a card that I both think will be played and that I think is a lovely design and that is the Mycosynth Gardens. It's a land sphere, which I think is interesting in itself. And it has tap to add a colorless mana, one tap to add one mana and a color, so it kind of sifts mana. And X tap, the Mycosynth Gardens becomes a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. So, of course, the very obvious uses for this is Lion's Eye Diamond, because you can play your Lion's Eye Diamond, get a copy, and have two Lion's Eye Diamonds on your first turn, which means you can do all sorts of things in decks that want Lion's Eye Diamond on the first turn. But I think, aside from that obvious sort of use of it, just the, the effect X... The Microsynth Gardens becomes a copy of target non-token artifact you control with mana value X. I just see endless possibilities here. There's got to be so many ways to just break this card that we sort of haven't seen yet. And so many sort of, I don't know, like, will this show up in a Tangle Wire deck? You know, I mean, so many variations of this you just want to try. I mean, copy your own Chalice to get one for zero. Like, I don't know. What do you see in this? Yeah, if I can start, I think that like cheap artifacts have, of course, a resurgence in, in uh, Legacy because of Ursa Saga. And this just doubles up on all your cheap artifacts. And if that cheap artifact is also your wincon and not just an answer, like this doubles up on wincons. So like I'm thinking of cards that were wincons back in the day, like Black Vice or The Rack oh. uh, or something <laughs> like that. Or, or like an, a Dreadnought or something mm. that will win you the game. This just doubles up on that. Ivory Tower. Ivory Tower. Just, just gain a lot of life. and <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> oh, that's not good in multiples. But I mean, this can add consistency to such a strategy, I think, which is already kind of consistent with the tutor effect of Ursa Saga. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, this is one of those cards, you know, when if you're a person who likes to brew a lot, this is one of those cards that you can get lost in the sauce with. But yeah, I, I think this is a very real card. One of the things I'm thinking about is maybe as a fun of one-off in, you know, these big post decks, you can crop rotate it to get a, an instant speed extra needle you can get an extra candelabra when you really need mana fast like there's a lot of things that you said but the the lion's eye diamond thing you mentioned is one of those really cool applications that i when i first saw this card i didn't think about lion's eye diamond but yeah that's very real so i i definitely think this card will see play and there are like you mentioned, a lot of very cool uh, applications to this. You can play a Phyrexian Dreadnought, and even if you don't have Stifle or uh, any of those effects, you can just pay one and make this into one of those bad boys. 
and still have a 12-12 for two mana and a land. It's still pretty good. It's not Marit, but it's very good. So, Christopher, you usually pick up lots of things for these discussions. You mentioned in an earlier episode that you were looking towards Toxic. Yeah, and for me, I think there are two promising cards. Well, I will. we will look at two promising cards because Infect people might have gone deeper on this. But the two cards I want to talk about is uh, Venerated Rot Priest and Skrelf Defector Might. Both very good names for cards. Yeah, <laughs> like Skrelf. Mm. Skrelf. 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 I love names with uh, six letters and uh, one vowel in it but yeah let's let's look at venerated rot priest so these cards are for infect and the venerated rot rot priest is a one like it's for a green mana it's a one two phyrexian druid toxic one which means that players dealt combat damage by this creature also get a poison counter so unlike effect infect where it's dependent on the power this has a set value. You get one poison. So if you invigorate Berserk, this creature, they take 10 damage and get one infect. Well, one poison might be the right term to use. But where this card is pretty nice is its other text, which is whenever a creature you control becomes the target of a spell, target opponent gets a poison counter. So infect is pretty good at protecting their creatures. So I I can see this as a pretty good sideboard card to bring in against removal heavy decks. Suddenly your opponent plays swords to plowshares on one of your creatures, they get a poison counter. Okay, now you play vines on your creature, another spell targeting a creature they get another poison counter. And this is for all of your creatures. So I think that's super cool. There are some people speculating, maybe we can play this in a in a sort of storm shell where you can target it a bunch of times. But I think this card just as, as a static effect in play, playing a slow grindy game against a removal heavy deck is very nice. So I, I definitely think that this card could be a good sideboard card for Infect. But Skrelf... Uh, Skrelv, <laughs> I don't know, like Skrelf <laughs> on Elf. <laughs> this card is very cool, and it's a legendary artifact creature, Phyrexian Might. I don't know, maybe it should be Insect, don't quote me on this, but for one white, you get a 1-1 one, one Toxic 1 that can't block, but it has one white Phyrexian mana, so just a two life or a white mana, and tap. Choose a color. Target creature you control against toxic one and hex proof from that color until end of turn. It can't be blocked by creature of that color until end of turn. So it's not a mother of runes, but it's pretty close to a mother of runes. And it also puts toxic on the creature you're protecting, which is stacks with infect. That's great. But yeah, I think it's also a way to just push damage through. In some matchup, when the board is clogged, you might not have a Blighted Agent in play. I don't know. If you have a Blighted Agent in play and this <laughs> and Skrelv, it's going to be really hard to deal with that. So I think this, these are the additions that I think might give Infect a bit more room to breathe and try things out. So what do you think about these two? I mean, if you want to 
place Grelv Defector Might in an infect shell, meaning you add white and you want to play Venerated Rot Priest. Why not also just run Nomads on core for the two card combo? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's a that's a pretty nasty one. There's all already, you know, uh, when I saw this, I was like, oh, this must be pretty good with Spellskite, which is also mm. a pretty mm. common card to yeah, see yeah, in Infect sideboards, at least back in the day. Where like, yeah, the dream scenario is you'll never get bolted and your opponent gets two poison every time they try and bolt you. But Christmas land is you have two <laughs> Spellskites in play and you just poison tendrils them. But yeah, uh, a lot of Infect is already playing white to get Swords to Plowshares in the sideboard and Teferi, Time Raveler, in the main because apparently yep. it's pretty good to play and like, go all in when you know your opponent can't interact. Also, I mean, I always had a soft spot for any creature that comes with a text can't block. Yeah, That to me is a <laughs> hallmark of um, something that has potential ever since I first resolved the Gravecrawler. Oof. But that's mm. that's not even my favorite one-mana zombie that can't block. That has to go to Carrion Feeder for me. But they are like the married couple. Like uh, Yeah, like you you wouldn't play a Carrion Feeder if you didn't have a Gravecrawler, right? Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they're definitely the bread and butter. Having just one is s- sort of weird. But yeah, I think these two cards are really cool. Yeah, I think that like if you, if you don't think about Plague Engineer, which is... A little bit on a on a downswing, I should say. Maybe it's coming back because elves are becoming good again. I don't know. But like the way that you beat Infect is just plowing all of their creatures, and they won't be doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is like that. That's the game plan against against Infect. Like you can board out the forces and just bring in removal and just kill them on your own turn. And both of these cards are great against that strategy, which is very strong against Infect. So I think both these cards have a real home in in Infect if they want to beat that kind of strategy. And I should make a shout out to like a pod that I have sort of rediscovered had a long <laughs> hiatus from it eternal dirtles they had an episode a couple of maybe last week or something like that talking about it's like a new segment that they have that they talk about a specific brew that they have so they brewed infect with these two cards and what quite a good episode i can recommend it if you want to brew more with venerated rot priest and skelv skrelv <laughs> yeah but like yeah I, I think i think these cards have they have potential like we mentioned the doom of the quote-unquote doom of infect uh, in plague engineer if there's an uptick in elf in, like in elf stacks there might be an uptick in Plague Engineer, but most of the decks playing Plague Engineer now is the Elves deck with their right. fiend artisans. <laughs> so, like, that's a... I don't know. Maybe it's it's a self-solving problem. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, like, the Infect segment. But then we have uh, this set's Hit or Miss Planeswalker, and this is Taiwar, Jubilant Brawler. I actually inserted a picture where his... Like Taiwar's fist is sort of in the way for Brawler, so I guess that it's Brawler. Anyways, this is a one, a black, and a green planeswalker that says you may activate abilities of creatures you control as as though those creatures had haste. And then it has plus one and untap up to one target creature and minus two 
mill free cards then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield and it enters with free loyalty so this is pretty good with mana birds this is extremely nasty with welder and goblin engineer we'll see if it's for me like this mana this mana combination and cost is reserved for grist in my heart because it does a lot of things but the if this planeswalker finds a shell where it's functional and the effect is relevant it might be extremely good in that deck so what do you think about this one i love this type of hit and miss entry point for this because if you want to live in sort of christmas dreamland you will start looking at all these creatures that have cool effects that you need to tap them ever since prodigal sorcerer and onwards and you sort of okay which creatures can i now play with then of course you are dependent on this card resolving which is hard because unlike grist you can't green sun scenes for this one that's true there's potential here that i cannot see on sort of on on the first this sort of on my first look at this card but at the same time i can recognize that there is potentially something super nice you can do with this so what, what i like about this planeswalker is that like the effects they feel much more combo-y then like you wouldn't really put this in a fair deck because it doesn't really provide enough value i think M- maybe you have something <laughs> with an activated ability and once in a blue moon you get to play this before that creature and activate it instantly this feels like something that you want to build around and utilize in some sort of infinity combo with a glimpse of nature i don't know birds making new birds i agree that it's hit or miss because i don't really think that you would build a combo requiring this planeswalker but perhaps this can this can sort of enhance existing strategies like knight of the reliquary for example right it's yeah. a card that you can play and, and if you put this next to knight of the reliquary knight of the reliquary becomes better and a top deck reclaimer becomes better top deck reclaimer becomes really good with this one in play i think like there is uh, there is some space to to play around with this and you know the the minus two mill free cards then you like then you return a creature card with mana value two or less i mean isn't the dream just to have a welder in play minus this put your engineer <laughs> like mill an engineer play and put that into play right. and then just have welder engineer in play hmm. it's a lot of nasty things you can do from there but i really like the knight and uh, and reclaimer angle because that sounds a bit more where haste matters well it, it it matters with welders as well but it 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 seems like it can swing a match much faster if it's a reclaimer knight pretty good with mother of runes as well like she can protect herself immediately when she comes in yeah and also like other cards come to mind that aren't played currently but perhaps you know could find some place like small jays for example which is a creature to begin with pick that guy out of the graveyard tap it real quickly transform immediately like you, you can you can get sort of all of these interesting accelerations that sort of haven't been thought of because there are other cards that sort of make your creatures have haste but this one actually has some some more things to it <laughs> yeah like stoneforge you play this on turn three and then on turn four you just play stoneforge and put in cauldra so there are there's there's some room for this and like we mentioned the minus also hit stoneforge so you can minus get stoneforge and put a cauldra into play if you have five mana it's a lot but you know maybe if you're playing yank a lot of lands will be on the table anyways 
Perhaps this could be also an addition to if you want to play a Rector deck, but you're having a hard time sacrificing your Rectors because all those creatures that will have you sacrifice your Rectors need to tap to do so. Now you can. Now you can in instant speed. Let's move on to my last card. And this is potentially the cardest, like the cardest, man, the strongest card. Maybe the cardest in the set. And this is Atraxa Grand Unifier. And it's free, green, white, blue, black. But Christopher, is this another Nick Fit card? No, friends. So this is legendary creature, Phyrexian Angel, 7 7. Flying, Vigilance, Death Touch, Lifelink, like it has it has everything. And when it enters the battlefield, you reveal the top 10 cards of your library. For each card type, you may put a card of that type among the revealed cards into your hand and then put the rest on the bottom of your library in any order. So for me, sure, this could be a, a natural order target or stuff like that, but a lot of natural order decks doesn't have the payoff to pay, play a card like this. I mean, when would I want to grab this instead of uh, like Progenitus or Crater Hoof? It's hard to tell, but if we look at the mean, more unfair natural order, we got Show and Tell. 10 cards deep into Show and Tell will find you instant for sure. If it's like a Sneaker Show or Omnitel deck, it's definitely gonna find an instant, probably a creature, and then sorcery enchantment in the form of show and tell, omniscience, or sneak attack. So I think this is one of those cards that is very good if you are low on resources. I mean, sure, Gristlebrand is great. <laughs> I can't take that away from it. But this can find a lot of different card types. Also pitches to force a will, which is very nice early when you just need to get to a late game. It's one of those like cards that just refuels your hand. If you show and tell this in, you look at your 10 cards and you find Omniscience, show and tell, force a will, Emrakul, Lotus Petal. There's a lot of things like that this can do to really just, I mean, it can brick too, but it feels like probably the strongest card for legacy in this set so what do you think about it i think it's on on par with the land to be sort of strongest card uh, i think we'll see but of course this packs a lot of power i love it always when a seven seven creature has death touch like just in case you know <laughs> just in case they attack with marit <laughs> which is indestructible anyways <laughs> people have been talking back and forth a lot about sort of is this a card fit for reanimator which i think it's not like it doesn't really help you with anything that's that's a problem currently in reanimator but as you say in a, in an i think specifically omnitel deck because if you put this when you have omnitel in play yeah it's over like the value is just this is just dig through time on the death touch stick but yeah. it's good <laughs> yeah it's it's uh, <laughs> it's, uh with, o- with omniscience in play i'm gonna be extremely controversial and say that this is a lot stronger than the extra time yeah it's nasty you can get that land too that you're you can yeah, yeah, yeah. get that nasty beside you or whatever you want it, it does a lot of things and as you say as it's also pitches to force it's relevant to consider this in a show and tell shell yeah and i think like the the third sort of shell that you mentioned is of course in a natural order shell which like of course i don't think this will be be played in elves by any chance it's just better to go for the hoof but like the other kind of natural order decks that were popular once in the day they have 
completely fallen off. And I think this card could possibly revive it because this provides enough value to to like use natural order in a not all in way, but in a way that that gets a trigger, gets a beater, and you draw a couple of cards, and you have a chance of doing a follow-up. So I think, like, in, in a fair, sort of half-fair natural order shell, I think this one could be a good card to have in the deck and to just find with natural order. Yeah, and, like, if your opponent isn't on Caracas or uh, Swords to Plowshare Solitude, like if they're not a white initiative or DNT or whatever DNT is doing these days, this is big creature. <laughs> and like, if, if you want to Caracas this, like, I'm probably not going to be super sad about that. No, like, <laughs> if I have omniscience, yeah, <laughs> like uh, if you have omniscience or if you just have you have resolved the ability, you probably found a sneak attack or show and tell in those 10 cards. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a nasty one for sure. And that is all we have for this episode. If you have a good story about your exploits on Phyrexia, please share in our Discord. You can find a link in this episode description. In addition to Discord, you can hit us up on Twitter. We are at STHLMLegacy. We are also present personally on social media as well. Robin, where can our listeners join with you? You can talk to me on Twitter. I'm at Jacka underscore Boo. You can find me on Twitter at MonolithMTG. And you can be the one with me at Disco Drogo also on Twitter. And that is the end of the 78th episode of Stockholm Legacy Report. Thank you, Robinson Sian and Christopher Wikström. I am Victor Bernhardt. Special thanks to you for listening. The Great Frönes has, as always, written our music. You can find more of their work on Spotify. Until our next episode, note that if you never sleeved up a playset of Phyrexian Obliterators in the 75, you haven't really lived.